Don't ask me that again, okay? You don't have you don't have to ask me that again. All right? I'm just letting you know I that know right it. now. You don't have to ask me that again if I'm ready to record on a Monday for the football lounge. I'll be ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna record. All right. So you don't just you don't have to ask it again. All right. All right. We got we got Mark uh, Staley over texting here. Me. Stop <laughs> texting me and ask me. Are you Leave ready me to record? I'm ready. Because it's Phenomenal. not gonna change. Phenomenal. It's not gonna change. Moment. I, I I just I, I just love I just love when coaches are at their like last it's at the, the breaking point when right? a, when yeah. the coach drops stuff like that or or like the classic like the buck stops with me or like you know what I mean uh, like you it's it's over like where is play where's the play in music from the Oscars like wrap it up we don't if I was <laughs> if honestly if I was a reporter at a Brandon Staley press conference right now. Or like a Matt Eberflus press conference, after like them just rambling on their nonsense that Matt Eberflus just like talks in circles for like twenty minutes to answer one question, I would just start playing the wrap up music. It's like you're you get wrap it up, dude. Get out of here. No yeah. one cares. Everything you're saying is BS, anyways. But just so everyone knows, you don't have to ask the question anymore. Okay, I'm here. Yeah, we're done. We're done. I'm, I'm the man. I'm forty. Yeah. We're getting into Mike Gundy. <laughs> Mike Gundy, to his credit. Had that moment, and is still the head coach of Oklahoma State. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's still, now, man, he's like 52. He's like in his early 50s now, mid-50s. Oh, man. Yeah, Brandon Staley just can't buy a win right now in any way, shape, no. or form. Not even the at the podium. What a, what a no. brutal start. But, uh, yeah, lots to cover here from week 11. I hope you all enjoyed our Friday episode where we covered the breaking news elements that happened during the show with Joe Burrow episode. being gone for the season. Of course, we discussed Deshaun Watson going out for the season. Mark Andrews uh, go down with injury. Some big stuff there in the AFC North. We had some more AFC North play this past Sunday and plenty of other headlines. But uh, most notably, the Lions make history. Flacco on the verge of becoming a oh. Cleveland Brown. The Chargers continue to implode, and Tommy DeVito, who's played four NFL games, has more multiple passing touchdown performances in his career than Mr. Kenny Pickett. We covered all on the Week 11 Recap. That is a scorned fan. That's a scorned fan. Uh, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, multiple passing touchdowns. Kenny Pickett. We can, we should, I was going to say, the other thing we should just start the show with is like, what, are you okay? Like Kenny Pickett, are you okay? That that was the, that that is the first game on the slate here in terms of the hierarchy. I always just go the hierarchy of how the uh, ESPN standings have it because they order it by uh, game played and uh, time. So that will be the first game we discuss. But I, I will say the Mike Tomlin quote from this past preseason, which was hilarious because the Steelers always have groups of brothers on their teams. Uh, and, and there's the the quote from Tomlin on the sideline where he's mic'd up. He's like, anybody got a brother? Anybody got a brother? He should have been asking, anybody got a touchdown pass? Anybody? Just need one on this team. Uh, you can't even get one per game out of Kenny Pickett so far this year. Six touchdown passes in nine games played. We are looking up there in Steeltown, that's for sure, as the Browns win 13-10 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers and a very riveting performance uh, from both teams. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson 
starting there for Cleveland with Deshaun Watson injured. Brutal game to watch for anybody. And it was the premier CBS game for a lot of people throughout the country. It was out here in the Southeast. So when a Steelers-Browns game uh, is on in the Southeast, you know that uh, it's it's being pushed out there among the masses. But brutal game to watch for sure uh, as the Steelers fall when they had a just a matchup tailor-made for them uh, on a silver platter there. But yeah, Steelers now six and four on the season. The Browns improved to seven and three, five and one at home too for Cleveland. So how about that? The dog pound getting rowdy for its team. Uh, but honestly, like trying to be objective, huge, huge win for the Cleveland Browns. I think that was really important for them to go out there and show that they're not just going to lie down and uh, give up on the season despite the Watson injury news. And uh, it was an important win for many reasons, but for it being a divisional win, jumped the Steelers in the standings. Um, the Browns have put themselves in the conversation to say, like, we you're not going to count us out. We're still in the running for the playoffs, and we still actually have a good shot to get there. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh, uh, this was just as important of a game to win because you have to win the games that um, are, you know, put out there for you on a silver platter, as this was with Deshaun Watson going down. Now they got this game against Jake Browning coming up that inspires no confidence moving forward too against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, just brutal. But yeah, I mean, kind of laid it out there at the start that this was not uh, Kenny Pickett's finest hours. In fact, it probably was his worst performance that I've seen from him. And, you know, you could say what you want about Cleveland's defense, and they are probably the number one, if not number two defense in the league. The Steelers with this performance now have gotten rid of like all of like their difficult situations for the rest of the year. They play the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, you know, the Bengals now with Browning twice and uh, one more against the Ravens and they have the Seahawks. So those those two are not toss ups, but they've gone through the slog uh, regardless. Y- y- that can't happen. I mean, again, I've already said my piece on my Canada. It doesn't need to be said anymore. It's. The offense is bad. I don't think he's a professional level play caller. But despite all that, there's no there's no more excuses you can make for Kenny Pickett either when, as we've alluded to, we have the likes of a C.J. Stroud doing what he's doing with third string uh, offensive linemen with a rookie head coach. We're seeing Tommy DeVito, as we just mentioned, you know, throwing the football beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and being accurate. It's just, it's bad right now, and we're not seeing much positive come out of Kenny Pickett. So to me, that was the story of this game, not being able to throw over the middle of the field. Pat Fryermuth comes back from injury, gets one target in this game. Um, There's just so much bad. Jalen Warren, huge spark for the team, still only ended with nine carries. There's just so many things about this offense that are disgusting. Um, But, you know, Kenny's got to shoulder his his blame of, uh, his brunt of the blame in this one. And what disappoints me at this point is that Tomlin isn't willing to call him out. And that's a little upsetting. I mean, Tomlin has been at this point only making excuses for his young quarterback. If this is supposed to be a franchise guy, it's already year two getting towards the end of it. You got to start saying like, you know, you got to start putting his feet to the flame a little bit and letting him know, uh, you know, the issues, but there's a lot of blame to go around, uh, but Kenny deserves some of it for sure at this point. Yeah, I, I just and that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> I well, listen, you're you. This is you're going through it right now, and I I will say, 
This stat blew me away. 315 quarterbacks. This is from NFL and CBS have 500 pass attempts since the merger. All right. So since the NFL AFL merger, Super Bowl era, 315 quarterbacks have accumulated 500 pass attempts. That means you've played, you know, in at least like a a full like season plus of games. So it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of qualified quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett is one of them. And it's a lot of bad quarterbacks. Yeah, and only one of them has thrown a touchdown on fewer than 2% of his attempts. That's Kenny Pickett. So he is throwing a historically little amount of touchdown passes for how much he has played. That is concerning. To me, this this game, obviously, the the storyline is the Steelers because the Browns, their, their ceiling is still so low right now. The Browns could make the playoffs, absolutely. This win certainly helps them. In that, if DTR is going to play this well, and maybe you switch to Flacco and Flacco can, you know, uh, be uh, just, you know, average league average or just below average as a quarterback, the Browns have a good enough roster to make the playoffs, especially if they're going to play defense like this. So that to me, the story is still more Pittsburgh and they're more interesting right now because I still think their ceiling is higher because of the quarterback play and and and, and the, the roster construction. And my biggest concern is I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are where the Bears were when it was the last year of Trubisky starting to where you we said to ourselves, we were recording at that point in time, the most important thing for the Bears to do is to get answers. Is it the quarterback or is it the coaching? Now, the Bears had an offensive coach, and so it was more like direct on this. For the Steelers situation, it's more, is it Matt Canada? and the culture offensively, or is it the quarterback, right? Because I would argue, there's a lot of people that argue, the play design and the scheming is just not suited to Kenny's game. They're not making things easy for him. They're not running the ball enough with Warren and doing all these things in play action that just make the game easier for Kenny Pickett's style of quarterback because we know what style of quarterback Kenny Pickett is. He is Jared Goff as a ceiling, but really in that Kirk Cousins to a range where you need to be clever. You need to get the ball into the playmaker's hands and, and he can be a distributor of the football. And so it's coming to that point now, is it the quarterback or is it the offensive scheme at this point? Because you drafted him so high and you invested him. You'd like to say, I want to see Kenny with a new offensive coordinator and a whole new offensive staff and a whole new offensive philosophy going forward. You already have a bunch of the weapons, right? Fry moves back. We know I'm on top of this stuff. So you you can say to yourself offensively in the in the in the offseason, can we revamp the scheme with a new offensive coordinator, go in a completely different direction, and then see is it the quarterback or the scheme? Because if he's still producing at a really low rate with a new scheme, then you know, all right, it's the player. Because that's what the Bears found out, right? It was like, okay, Trubisky, we got rid of Trubisky. Nagy brings in Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, and he was terrible with both. Then he realized, okay, it was both the quarterback and the coach. It was the right move to get rid of both of them, and you and you move on. So that's where I would feel like you're at if you're Pittsburgh, right? The rest of the season for both these teams, both teams want to make the playoffs. Both teams want to be above 500. Both teams' ceilings are very, very low, and I would say – for Pittsburgh, you have to answer the question. You have to find an answer to the question going into next year. You cannot just bring this squad all together back next year because it's just history is going to repeat itself. Yeah, 
and part of that is them giving see this is the part of the thing that i uh think is contributing to kenny's lack of success is i really do think that they've hammered in from the start that the only way we're going to win games is if you don't turn the ball over kenny so don't turn the ball over and i think having that hammered in has made him averse to taking any risks and you have to take risks in the NFL. You have to throw over the middle of the field. You have to try and trust your arm. And I feel like he's just not leaning into that because I think part of it is the coaching staff is showing that they don't trust it. And that's a problem. I think that you need to, you need to open things up if you're going to learn and get the answers that you need. And so part of that is opening things up a little bit more for Kenny and letting him make some mistakes because he he's turned the ball over the least amount of any quarterback in the league this year. Um, but that ha- that hasn't translated to much success elsewhere, right? And so part of that reason is yeah, you know, he's not taking any risks. And so you you have to find the sweet spot there. But the other aspect is, you know, they're pretty much uh projecting out that they don't trust that they can win with Kenny Pickett. And when, you know, Tom after game said, this is exactly how we envisioned the game going. Look, man, if you're going into games with just the plan to win 13 to 10, it's just not a, a recipe. Like, and, and I push back against the narrative that Tomlin and, and a lot of coaches and even, you know, analysts and stuff have put out there that wins are all that matter. Um, I disagree. I think it's, I think how you win matters a good deal as well. Not as much as winning, but I think winning is 75%. How you win is 25 because, you know, Steelers could win. We saw this when they went 11 and 0 in 2020, they were winning games, but how they were winning games was not a sustainable thing. And they went one and five down the stretch and ousted first round of the playoffs. Uh, it's, you know, how can you win in the NFL? And the Steelers can only win one way. And that is when the defense wins the turnover battle um, by plus two or higher, and uh, whether the offense can score at, at least like 13, 14 points. It's just not something that you can live with uh, moving forward if you want to have playoff success. Maybe you can get to the playoffs, and maybe you can get 10 and 7 the rest of your career, um, but at a certain point, uh, how you win has to factor into what you're game planning for, and so that is frustrating for sure. Um the Lions at home make history. First eight and two start in franchise history yeah. since 1962. Uh, that's a quite a chunk of years, 60 plus years there for Detroit. So congratulations to them because they are uh, obviously riding a hot streak right now. But really, this was just as much of the Bears um, losing yet again with a lead uh, when they had momentum late in the game. And another game where Justin Fields performed well for 58 minutes and, you know, one play, you know, defines the game and the fumble out of the end zone for the safety kind of uh, just stalls everything. And, you know, before you know it, the Lions are victorious and the Bears are once again sitting there at three and eight. So brutal game for the Bears. I'd I'd be interested to see what your take is, Mark, from a Bears fans perspective, because we discussed about how. You wanted to see the rest of the year how Fields performed to see whether or not he can make his stamp on being the future for the team and that they would be able to move forward with him. I'm seeing completely conflicting responses from Bears Nation online. 
Some are saying, I've seen enough of Fields. This is it. That play was terrible. He didn't protect the football. This is it. We're done. I've seen other people say, man, he played really well. He threw uh, the ball exceptionally well at, at several parts of this game. Uh, had the Bears in the lead against a really good team and had one boneheaded mistake. Uh, but we feel like he's the bear of the future because of the way that he performed. And we want this team to, you know, trade their picks. So I'm curious what your thoughts are, because I am seeing a complete split on how people are, uh, you know, making their determinations on fields after this game. Yeah. My thoughts are, are have stayed consistent. I, I want to build around fields. I mean, I think the best thing for the bears to do success of the franchise wise is to either trade that top pick for another bevy of picks. As I said before, an A player and picks like you did with, with DJ Moore. And then, cause you see what happens to your roster when you add a players, DJ Moore is a true a player. He's a difference maker. Uh, Montez, what I'd say is more like a B B plus guy. He's got paid like an A because that's the position, but even him, he had a really nice day starting to come into his own. So adding really good players and then also using that, uh, using that value to get more trades next year. You know what I mean? That number one overall pick could be worth, um, a really good A player in the NFL right now in his prime, plus a next year first round pick. That's what to me the the ultimate goal should be, and then building around fields. The the thing about it is, is like I've said before, and I and I'll say it again. The Bears Twitter right now and the Bears online universe is is so divided because there is a bevy of riches for the Bears in the NFL draft with the two picks. But to me, nothing matters until step one is taken care of. And step one is firing Matt Eberflus. The Bears are not going to fire Eberflus during the season. They just don't do it. It's not historically who they are as an organization. He deserves to be fired. This is a horrendous loss. The Bears played their best game offensively since, in a long time since the, since the win on Thursday night, since the Broncos game, since the Justin Fields was rolling before he got injured. And Justin Fields comes out plays really, really well, and what happens? Well, listen to this. This is from Doug Coletti. Since 1932, no NFL team with a three-plus turnover margin in 40 time, forty minutes time of possession has ever lost that game. Teams were 48. No, what the Bears were doing, they were only the 48th team in NFL history to do what they did yesterday. Three-plus turnovers, 40-plus minutes time of possession, and they lost. It's the first time that's ever happened. And they lost not because of Justin Fields and that one play at the end. The game was already done. They lost because they gave up two touchdown drives in under four, in under four minutes. That's why they lost. They lost because their head coach is a horrific, horrific head coach. They lost because they don't know how to manage the game. They lost because their defensive play calls gave up two scores in four minutes. That's why they lost. They lost because their offensive coordinator who probably got the got the call down from his head coach or whatever their game planning was to run straight into a line of lines defenders twice and then throw a deep bomb when you have to all you have to do is get one first round and you could win that game. That's why they lost because they have a poor offensive coordinator who uh, who called a better game plan yesterday until he got scared shitless and then they lost because they have the worst head coach in football. That's why they lost that football game. The Bears' talent is talented enough to win that game. You saw it on display. Look at that Justin Fields throw to DJ Moore for the touchdown. That is talent that you can build around, all right? And then what happens? You lose that game. Now, to the Lions' credit, to the Lions' credit, that is a, re a great recipe 
for a team that's building towards deep playoff success. You had no reason winning that game. No reason winning that game. And you yeah. did. That is a great, great thing for the Lions. They hung in there. They Their coach didn't stop believing in them. And they made the plays offensively when they needed to. The, the Lions have the best offense in the NFL right now, statistically. That's wild. They're the Detroit Lions. I mean, even the Matt Stafford years with Calvin Johnson, they were an explosive offense, but they weren't the consistently best offense. They, they can run the ball down your throat. They have elite game-breaking weapons. This Lions team is for real. And my final button on it, again, step one, fire Eberflus. Step two, figure everything else out. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about who's my quarterback next year until I know who's my head coach. Because if my head coach is Matt Eberflus next year, nothing. it does not matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters if Matt Eberflus is the head coach next year because he can't build a winning program. He is incapable at the microphone. He's incapable calling his own defense. He's incapable with his scheme. He is not up to par with his uh, with his basics because they can't tackle, they can't catch, they can't tackle guys in bounds. And he says uh, he tries to blame the players. He never takes accountability. It's it's terrible. He's zero and nine against the NFC North. He is six and twenty two as a head coach, and he has yet to beat a team with a winning record. Fire the coach. Step two: figure everything else out later. I still believe in Justin Fields. I still think the smart thing to do is to build around Justin Fields. That is the that is the final takeaway uh, for me from that loss uh, yesterday. And Eberflus has the worst head coaching record of any Bears coach. Is that correct in history? I think I saw that somewhere where he has the oh, worst yeah. winning percentage. Yes. Um, than any Bears coach, which is they've had some they've had some rough coaches in the past, yeah. you know, and that's. Uh, I mean, that's telling. That's that's really telling. Um, you know, the, with the thing with, just, e again, know, especially with the talent that he's had on his team overall. To me, the biggest thing is you you cannot worry about any other steps. The draft picks, nothing matters until you get the right head coach in there. And whether that head coach is Harbaugh or Ben Johnson or Eric Bieniemy or whoever it might be, whoever it might be, you cannot, it doesn't, nothing matters until you get the head coach right. Right now, the head coach is not right. This game was a perfect game in in my in my perfect world of you have to thread the needle that Justin Fields is your guy. You have the talent when you just don't have the coaching staff. I know it's a lot to give Justin Fields a third head coach, but I, I think he deserves it. DJ Moore and this team deserves it. And you can sell a head coach, a Ben Johnson on, let's give you the bag and let's give you DJ Moore, Justin Fields, Cole Komet. We're going to re-sign Moody. We're going to draft Marvin Harrison number one overall. We're going to trade the other pick for a bunch of other picks and an A player. We have we have the we have a, a nice budding offensive line on the right side with Jenkins and Wright. Um, there's a lot to work with there in a winnable division. Uh, that you know the the Lions are still the Lions. Um, it's not a it, it doesn't have to be a disaster. And people pushing back on oh you need to reset the pay scale. You don't want to pay Justin Fields yet. Justin Fields. Does has and his agent have no right to stand on anything that's a, a contract close to what the Kyler Murrays of the world have gotten. So I would argue you can actually save money still because you might be able to lock Justin Fields up to a three-year, hundred million dollar deal. You know what I mean? Like you, you could get him on a Daniel sure. Jones or lesser type of contract, and that's not going to kill you if you get this type of production out of Justin Fields, and you're only paying him that type of contract. That's the dream scenario, like a huge, huge dream scenario. Yeah, very, very true. Um, they're going to have decisions to make at the end of this year, no doubt about it. Uh, but I do think uh, ultimately um, 
Eberflus, I agree, is the number one priority for this team to take care of that and then move forward with how they're going to approach the rest of 2024 and beyond. But it does seem at least that Ryan Poles' job uh, should be secure for another year. Uh, let him kind of be in on this next hire and, and figure it out moving forward. The Packers get a, a win over the Chargers, and uh, this ultimately led to what we alluded to at the beginning of this show with the unhinged Brandon Staley press conference where he uh, lashed out at a reporter for asking about the defensive woes yet again because this team's defense continues to let it down, and Brandon Staley is a defensive head coach. It's his scheme, and uh, he is apparently not uh, going to be giving up play-calling duties uh, anytime soon on the defensive side of the ball. So another team that has a decision to make on its head coach moving forward. Um, of course, a lot of people have also been talking about the rookie Quentin Johnston missing a wide open catch that would have gone for a touchdown Keenan Allen dropped uh, one late too. in this game to put, uh, he did, he did. So then, you know, Justin Herbert didn't necessarily get all of the help that he could have used from his teammates, but he once again played pretty well in this game, uh, but is let down ultimately by his teammates and his team in general. So the chargers are now four and six, same record as the green Bay Packers. I'm not sure what other takeaways to take out of this game. Uh, I know that some people are talking about Jordan Love because he passed for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, ultimately, I still don't think Jordan Love is a very good quality quarterback that Green Bay should feel confident in moving forward. He played the worst defense in the league, perhaps. Uh, meanwhile, Justin Herbert's becoming that guy that it's like free Justin Herbert because once again, this is a Chargers team that I feel we've talked about for the last 20 years, loaded with talent but can't ever live up to it. Yeah, exactly right. I think the thing with Justin Herbert is um, if you didn't watch the game and you're one of those people who's like, Herbert is, come on, stop making excuses for Herbert, then I, I can't help you. Like, I, I can't. I don't know what else to do for you. Um, I'm not making excuses for Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley, um, uh, Ron Rivera, and Matt Eberflus all deserve to lose their job. They, absolutely every one of them deserves to lose their job as we um, as we sit here today. For Green Bay, I think the thing with Green Bay is, Dan, I, this is a quality win. Like, they got a quality win and a good performance. Uh, we, all, we said it from the beginning of the year. I wasn't going to totally judge Jordan Love until the absolute end of the season, and you look what happens. This is a quality win and a quality performance. To me... This is the type of thing that you can say, all right, if he can build on, momentum can get back on his side. Jordan Love, to me, feels a lot like he's in that realm of a Dak Prescott. Like That's what he's always felt like. You can win a lot of games with Dak Prescott. Some people believe you can win a Super Bowl with a guy like Dak Prescott. I'm not necessarily one of them, but I do believe that Jordan Love, uh, can, if he can build off of this game, this could be the moment where you look at and say, Hey, this is how he, you know, saved his his, you know, Packers playing career. It started with that run with that nice win playing well over the Chargers. Absolutely Brandon Staley needs to be fired and uh, it was a quality win for Green Bay to stay alive for that 7th seed in the NFC, which I know seems silly cuz it's Green Bay and they should be talking about Super Bowls, but where they're at as an organization right now, a 7th seed playoff run with a season like this with Jordan Love it would mean, I think, a lot to that organization. That would be huge. If they could pull that off, I think that would be absolutely a success. I mean, you if you're a Green Bay fan, like you'll ha you'll take that all day, especially yeah. the way this this team has 
uh, petered off after the first, you know, couple games. Yeah, that that would be really big. And, you know, uh, to be fair, it's the NFC and the NFC North, which, you know, there is a lane for that to happen. So if Green Bay can find some sort of rhythm here, potentially they could find themselves there. Uh, the Raiders go on the road and uh, the you know, honeymoon. Yeah, they did. They did put up a fight, but the honeymoon phase with Antonio Pierce uh, did end. Uh, the Dolphins win 20 to 13. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the Dolphins have had some pretty epic performances this year. And uh, the, the Raiders kept it close throughout this game. Only a seven point win as Dolphins take it 20 to 13. So, you know, Vegas, to their credit, put up a fight. Aiden O'Connell did seem to, to take some strides there for the Raiders. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, you know, Devon Achan came back from his injury and then immediately left. Yeah. with another injury. Uh, Tyreek Hill left with an injury, uh, but came back, had a monster game. So they had a couple of their star playmakers out early for bits and, and pieces of, of the game, but ultimately uh, they had a- almost their full set of weapons uh, at their disposal and still were only able to put up 20 points. So maybe Miami is cooling a little bit, uh, you know, to go along with uh, the cooling of the temperature as we enter the November, December phase here. And so this is actually something that has been talked about in recent years with a very hot weather team. So I don't want to make it seem like, uh, especially this, they were at home. So, you know, it's not, but I, I just saying, you know, wouldn't be surprising if we see in December and January ball uh, a, a little bit uh, less explosive of an, a Miami Dolphins yeah. team than, than what we saw in September and, and early on. So that'll be something to keep tabs on. But you know, not going to belabor the point too much. They won seven to three or uh, twenty to thirteen, and they're now seven and three. So they're still very well ahead of the pack. They're ahead of the Bills in the playoff standings. You know, they're um, they're they're you know firmly uh, in an AFC East you know crown uh, positioning. So right now they got to be feeling good about themselves overall. Always like to uh, to keep improving in the midst of a loss rather or in the midst of a win rather than a loss. So. All systems go for for Miami so far, but I will say like they gotta, they definitely gotta, you know, keep putting the the pedal to the metal and keep the foot on the gas because if this team does let up a little bit, I'm not so sure that they can go toe to toe with some of the more physical teams that we've seen in the league so far this year. But hey, Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, with his return to Miami, certainly welcome as he gets the the big time athletic pick to really seal the win. And so maybe this team is getting the boost it needs at just the right time. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for you to mention his name, Jalen Ramsey back. And that defense really played well. That Vic Fangio defense really showed up and balled out. Jalen Ramsey, I mean, in a scheme like this, uh, can make plays and could be the difference. When you think about all those quarterbacks Miami's going to have to go through in those big moments, a healthy Jalen Ramsey in uh, big games and big moments, uh, we know he can show up and ball out. And uh, he he made his presence known for the first time all season. Now, you know, he missed the whole like verse six, seven, eight games of the season or whatever it was because the injury. Um, the, on the flip side, I will say this. Miami still has to beat someone good. They haven't beaten anyone good. If you look at their wins versus their losses. So I'm going to I'm not I'm not going to stop holding my breath on Miami. I still believe they're a team that has a lower ceiling. I don't think they have a Super Bowl caliber caliber ceiling yet. They still have time to change that around. But for the Raiders, this is one of those holy crap 
you lost, but you won. Like, I mean, with what they went into that game with on the road, they should sign Antonio Pierce to be the coach of this football team now. Like Mark Davis, the biggest mistake he can make in if if the season continues to go like this, where Antonio Pierce has these guys playing hard, playing above, punching above their weight, wins another couple games. The biggest mistake he can make is would be interviewing other head coaching candidates and screwing this up. Like the locker room likes him. He's proven he's three and he's three and zero oh in my book of proving he's he can be a head coach so far in the in the National Football League. Even though he's two and one on his record, um, I, I think they. If, if I were the Raiders, I would just sign him today and just like stop those questions, let that confidence build, and then know your program has kind of the future in place to let then everything else work itself out, quarterback and all those other things. Well, the owner, Mark Davis, even said earlier this year when he was interviewed that he did regret not signing Rich Basaccia after his interim stint. So that does lead me to believe that if Antonio Pierce has similar success along the way, that Mark Davis is going to have that recent memory and say, I can't make the same mistake twice uh, after I totally failed. So yeah, that, that is one of the silver linings for the Raiders moving forward. Giants get a big win behind Tommy DeVito, who went back home after the game because he still lives with mom and dad. But hey, hey that's all. Oh, well. Mama, hey. why are you Did making you see, after the game? You see, he was, this was his celebration after the win to be yeah. like, hey, we got to win. Uh, uh, yeah, so he he inspired the team to to get a victory there as the Giants improved to three and eight and the Commanders fall to four and seven. So Commanders now stacking a couple losses here on the season. And, yeah. um, you know, all of a sudden their impressive, you know, start with Sam Howell hasn't looked as great. But I will say, I, I still think that the Washington um, could, has the makings in Sam Howell for him to, like, be a franchise guy. Like, I do yeah. think that if it, these problems aren't with him. The defense is pretty bad. The offensive line isn't so great. And they could use another weapon on the outside. But I think they do have the makings for a team that's on the brink of turning it around. So in a similar way, we're like, maybe you just stick with Antonio Pierce in Vegas. Maybe you just stick with like the guys you have in Washington, but just change the head coach and, and move. Absolutely. Move I, I mean, that's yeah. the, be the biggest thing. This, this is the type of loss where you lose to a really poor, talented giants team. That that's like a, it's a head coach, like nail in the coffin loss for Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is an all-time football guy, an all-time good guy in the NFL Great story from a solid player to a really solid NFL coach. Um, who's had there. But yeah, but now it's, it's similar to the John Fox where it's just like, okay, this is it. You maxed it out. You had your run. And now it's, and now I think it's time to, to move on to whatever post football life for Ron Rivera, or, you know, maybe he becomes a defensive coordinator in some aspect. Of yeah. Maybe he's the back. new Jack Del Rio. Exactly. Yeah, maybe, but I think it, I think that's what you're absolutely right. Washington has pieces; they just need a total like branding, re you know rebranding, and a whole new leadership staff around around the team. Because this was such an ugly loss. I mean, the Giants are so bad; they are terrible. And for the Giants fans, you like beating your division rivals, but this is one of those losses where you may really regret it, depending on now like the draft ranking and all this, and. Uh, next week with the game against New England, to this week that win for them just felt very much like in the and the Panthers' loss, which we'll get to in a second, really felt like it locked up um, right now the path for the the ones the number one overall pick to be the Panthers slash the Bears. It really felt like that was the type of win that 
could seal that up. Like the path opened up even more. So it went from yeah, yeah. 70% probability to 80, 85% probability that the Panthers are going to end up with the number one overall pick, AKA the bears. Yeah. Everyone matters at this point. Cause the, yeah, the, the number of games moving forward is shrinking and shrinking. Um, and so the giants, uh, you know, finding ways to win here, uh, is going to impact that for Chicago. So I'm, uh, you know, Bears Nation. And has they need Marvin Harrison Jr. At least. more, you know, badly than anyone. They need, you know, they need weapons on New York. Yeah. And so falling down the draft board right now is going to be killer to them. Yeah, they, there are, you know, obviously every year there's there's a good number of wide receiver prospects, but they could use like the wide receiver prospect, no question. Yeah. Cowboys uh, put a hurt on the Panthers there, as you just mentioned. The Panthers are now one and nine, so they are. They are on a two-game lead for that uh, number one overall pick, which belongs to Chicago. The Cowboys, meanwhile, improved to seven and three. Again, continuing to surprise me a little bit. I did think that this team was uh, not going to have the wins in the win column that they do by this point of the season. So kudos to Dallas. Uh, we mentioned it week in and week out. Still not sold on the team. They beat up on a really bad Panthers team. Bravo to them. Yeah, uh, but still not much uh, inspiration either. I don't really have many takeaways out of this game. Nothing really changed from my perspective. No, you don't learn anything about Dallas. You don't learn anything about, about Carolina, except for the fact that, um, I mean, th there has not yet been one real defining moment for Bryce Young that he can really hang his hat on. I mean, he beat C.J. Stroud, but even in the win against C.J. Stroud, he wasn't like four touchdowns, no picks. Will Levis at least had that debut where I still think highly of Will Levis, even though they got shellacked. We're about to talk about them. So yeah. there's still like, that's a, I'm still waiting for the Bryce Young pop moment. Hasn't happened yet. And for the Cowboys, again, they're still not going to be on my Super Bowl plane, people. I don't care. I have zero faith in the Dallas Cowboys in big moments. They are destroying bad teams and are like the, they're like the Dolphins of the, of the NFC only they have less weapons and I believe in their, and I trust in their coach less. Yeah. Yep. I think that's fair. Yeah. The Titans go on the road at Jacksonville and you know, the one, the first week of the season that I benched Trevor Lawrence in the, in my uh, fantasy leagues <laughs> is the, the week he decides to actually put it all together and go off and get four total touchdowns. Yeah. That's how it goes. 34 to 14 win for Jacksonville over the Titans. I mean, this is the win that Jacksonville did need, and they were supposed to beat up on the Titans. The Titans are kind of that yeah. wounded animal at this point. Uh, they've had to turn to their rookie quarterback. They've had to, um, you know, uh, they had to weather the storm of, of a less than, you know, quality defensive performances with Derrick Henry kind of aging a little bit and showing that. So the, the Titans were at that position where they're not competing for a playoff spot at this point. Um, so Jacksonville had to seize that opportunity, but to their credit, we've seen teams that can't seize the opportunity. Pittsburgh, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh, um, <laughs> Jacksonville, uh, did so and won by 20. So, you know, hopefully the, the only thing I could say about this is I, Jacksonville has the talent to be in an AFC championship game. Like they have the capability and we even saw they had the quarterback who could, who could weather, uh, adversity in a playoff atmosphere. And, and come from behind and win yeah. the game. Like, we've seen all of that happen. Hopefully this game will be what this team needed this particular season to finally get it all back on track, turn it around, and say, okay, our offense now, if we, like, we got the, that confidence back to where we can actually beat teams with our offense 
rather than kind of just manage a game and bank on our defense getting some splash plays and our offense getting like one or two big plays a game. If they can put up a performance like this or even somewhat similar to it moving yeah. forward, they're going to probably, I would project, move up in your plane as well uh, in the coming weeks if they can actually, you know, kind of stack these types of performances instead of it being a flash. Yeah. Pain. They need to stack and they need to, I think part of it with Jacksonville is like, like take any just sort of analyst hat off and just like guys and dudes and like, like simple football brain stuff. It's like, Hey, the Texans aren't going anywhere. And I think there's a right. little bit of that. Yeah. You look around the locker room. If you're the Jags, you said to yourself like shit, like, all right, we got some, we are in now real danger of not winning this division. Like let's lock it up. Like let's put this shit together and let's play a complete football game. And they did. And Will Levis to his credit, no interceptions. You know, they didn't ask him to do a ton, two touchdowns. Like he played an okay game The, the Titans absolutely are like three or four, like a players away. They need talent. Like they need, and they need an identity because the Texans, the Titans previous identity was Derrick Henry run the football, good offensive line. And now that is like three years old and that's fallen apart. And now they're identity less and they're, and they're a dearth of talent for the Jags. Their identity is, is finally feeling like, Hey, Trevor Lawrence, be Superman. Like, let's go be Superman. We talked a lot about who's going to maybe be the MVP this year. Who's Superman. Like it's up for grabs. No one is balling out like Superman. That to me, like we said about Lamar Jackson, after the Thursday, after the Thursday game, even in that performance, it's like, when is when is there going to be Superman? Like, where who's going to show up? Is it going to be Mahomes tonight? Is it going to be Jalen Hurts tonight? Who's going to just down this crucial stretch of the next five games? You know, before you can start resting starters and things and preparing for the playoffs, who's going to be the dude who says, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put up monster numbers. I'm going to carry my team. I'm not losing anymore. I'm not dealing with this shit. Trevor Lawrence had that type of game, and that's great because maybe it'll be Trevor Lawrence. Maybe he goes on this tear and says. I'm the fucking MVP. I'm the guy. I'm Superman. I'm going to put up two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and blow bad teams out. Someone do it. Like, someone step up. No one has yet, and maybe it's maybe it's Lawrence. So, tonight, you got two guys who are very capable of doing it. We'll, we'll have to see what happens tonight. But yeah. we're still waiting for that. No one's, gonna, no one's on pace for 35 touchdown passes. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence... Uh, maybe he can maybe he can really, really put it together here. The schedule's really workable for the Jags down the stretch. He certainly has the talent to do so. So, yeah, they, they've got enough games ahead of them here where they can start to uh, write that story and change those narratives. The Texans at home, C.J. Stroud might be the, you know, one of those guys that's in contention for that MVP, but we'll talk about that. He had a bad later second on half. In the season. First but time we've have seen a bad, a bad second, second half. half from C.J. Three picks in this game for him, but uh, they, he does get uh, the team in the win column with a 21 to 16 win over Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, you know, big win for the Texans, by the way, the Cardinals two and nine. So this is almost a, in, in some ways a win win because Kyler uh, didn't play terribly. Uh, it's just, you know, the team as a whole isn't very good. So if they keep, you know, losing and, and kind of pushing themselves a little bit further down. Uh, yeah, they're at number two board, right now. They're at know. the pick number two. The, the um, I'll say this about the Cardinals. They're the type of team that absolutely feels like Marvin Harrison Jr. is the no-brainer. Like, they'll just take him if he's available, depending yeah. on how the scouting goes. If Kyler keeps playing this well, I mean, think about he's coming off the injury. 
he's playing considerably better than like Deshaun Watson did when he came back last year and he wasn't even injured. He just had to miss all that time. I've been, I've been impressed with Kyler and his return. He, I mean, he had a couple balls bad at the line in that loss to the Texans and they had a chance to win uh, and it, it felt like it, it, they just couldn't get it. But also remember the Cardinals are at a huge dearth of talent as well. They got rid of Hopkins. They don't have the guys, you know what I mean? They got rid of Christian Kirk. Like where he needs, he needs some help. And I think he's playing good enough football. And for the Texans, it's one of those games you look at and you say, we survived. We won this game. Um, that's a great feeling. And it, and it's, and if you're CJ Stroud, it's also good to say, Hey, I can play poorly. And my team kind of stepped up and still believed in me when it mattered. And I, and I did enough then at the end of the game to win it. Um, those are good learning experiences for a young team and a young quarterback. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, Buccaneers on the road at San Francisco, 49ers back in the win column again, 27 to 14 victory in this one to improve to seven and three on the season as well. So 49ers kind of picking up where they've, uh, they, they left off another really solid Brock Purdy performance in this one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey gave them what they needed. Brandon Ayuk had a huge game. And so, you know, the 49ers once again, kind of getting back to their early season form where they were, you know, playing very convincing yeah. football. And so I'd say, you know, once again, they're kind of putting their stamp on the league and saying, yeah, don't forget about us. The Lions are obviously having their uh, year. The Eagles are still firmly in that one seed spot, but we're not too far behind these guys and we're still in contention. So I would say that the Lions, the 49ers and the Eagles are kind of all in a grouping in the NFC, leaving the rest of the conference in their wake right now. That's kind of how I see this. And oh, yeah. The Buccaneers, they're four and six. Um, they're kind know, of falling out of the Bucks are kind of falling out of that picture for that surprise team to maybe make yeah. the seventh wild card spot. And the Bucks are one of those teams that I can't wait to see what their offseason unfolds like because they're a team that feels like if it really falls apart here, could go all into a complete utter rebuild, try to trade up. Like they're a, they're such a wild card team as far as what they want to do. Or if they hold it together and find a way to get seven wins, maybe they keep Todd Bowles, maybe they keep Baker Mayfield. Like they're such a fascinating storyline as That's far true. as offseason discussion goes. As far as the team that matters, the Niners, what I loved about this is Brock Purdy completed 21 balls, 21 to 25. He threw eight to Kittle, five to Ayuk, five to McCaffrey, and three to Samuel. They didn't, they spread the ball around to their guys. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, he hit That's eight different receivers. No, no, no. They just found their dudes, and their dudes are all healthy right now. Plus, McCaffrey had 20, uh, 21 rushes on, on 78 yards. Um, it's the same Samuel didn't get one of those touchdowns, could have used it in fantasy. But, Regardless, that is like He's what you like. To, it's what you like to see from Brock Purdy, right? That's what Brock Purdy, if he's smart, and I think he is, he keeps his job. His life stays easy if he keeps doing that. Get the ball to those dudes. Let them rack up the yards after catch. And all of a sudden, you can look at a box score and go, damn, 333 yards and three touchdowns. Well, those guys did a lot of the work. Purdy can be the ultimate distributor if he keeps up playing like that. A hundred. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's the guy in the league that is perfecting that archetype, right? Yeah. Of, of the quarterback and of so, the two of uh, Kenny Pickett, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Yep. 
yeah. Jack Prescott. Yeah, like he's he's in that vein and he's he's doing it better than all of them. So it's I'm, a recipe for success. They're they're he's able to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. That's all you need to do. And like you said, they're all healthy now. They have you can't cover all of the guys. You can't cover yeah. Ayuk, Kittle, uh, McCaffrey, and Debo all um, you know, with double coverage or you know, put your special guys on them. You just can't do it. So you need someone's gonna get open. Yeah, you need that offense to score big too, because what's his name just went out too. The starting uh, Ofunga um, ACL. Oh, yeah, yep. And yep. and so That's I mean, right. I I can't pronounce his name, but he's an elite elite defender. I think you got it right. Yeah, yeah, elite defender, and that defense takes a hit. Now that defense has a lot of dudes still, and they they're going to play well schematically. But you know, all of a sudden you lose an elite defensive playmaker for the season. And it puts a little more pressure on the offense to that. Hey, maybe that one game where you could have just held them to 13 points now becomes now the offense, you know, has to score 27 to win. It's, it's going to be crucial for Purdy and, and, and those weapons to be on the same page. And now everyone's healthy. You know, the Niners are kind of like that NBA team that you're like, wow, man, I just can't wait to watch the Suns when Booker and Beal or everyone's healthy and like actually see how it all works. The, the Niners will feel a little bit like that. If they can get offensively a stretch now where everyone's healthy down the stretch, we'll have a better idea of really what this team is capable of going into the postseason. All right, we've got three more games to get to, plus a look at Monday Night Football coming up after this short break. For frequency's sake, has you covered on all things sports? From the squared circle to the hardwood and the gridiron to the speedway, we've got something for everyone. Walk down the aisle with the boys from Cards Subject to Change every Sunday as they take a deep dive into everything pro wrestling. Need your gambling fix? We've got you there. Enter Pit Row with Rod Villagomez and Fast Money as we win the checkered flag with NASCAR, Xfinity, and truck race winners and props. Football more your style? Explore the waters of NFL DFS with DFS Deep Dive with Brian Craighead and Jordan Kernan each week. More into the science portion of the game? We've got a double dose of action there. The Professor John Bush and Dennis Michelson take you into their science lab and dissect your week in the data lab. Want an analytical take? Nick Girl and the team at Gridiron AI come to you each week with The Lab. Need to know who to start last minute? The network's flagship show, for fantasy's sake, is here in a pinch. The fellows come to you live every football Sunday from 10 to 11.30 Central with the week's best DFS, gambling, and lineup advice. And wrap up your Sundays with Joe Winkle and Nick Brinks as they come to you live with educated ignorance looking at all the day's action. Can't get enough of Joe? He comes to you three times a week. Not enough football on Sunday? Not a problem. Kick your feet up at lunch on Monday and slip on into the football lounge with Mark and Dan while they look at the week that was in news, notes, and more. For frequency's sake, you know what we mean. All right, so Can we'll I, I got to say something here. I, listen. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. Matt Eberflus said it was at a, a pre, doing his press conference. Listen to this. Matt Eberflus, when asked if Montez Sweat, who they just paid a phenomenal amount of money to, should play more snaps. He only played 63% of the snaps for the Bears defense yesterday. In, in comparison, Aiden Hutchinson, who you'd compare Montez Sweat to, like elite pass rusher, their guy on defense, played 92% of the snaps. You know what Eberflus's answer was? That's just how we do it. We platoon those guys. Yeah. I hate it. I, yeah. I mean, I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> Look, uh, there there have been plenty of teams. You know, the Ravens are one of them that have uh, the Patriots do this a lot. 
constant rotations of dudes oh, um, along the defensive line. But you know what they don't do? They don't take their best I hate him so much. Side of the football, they need off like of the football field. I'm sure he's a nice guy, and I and I am not one of those people who likes to like wish harm on people. But that quote makes me think like I want him to get hit by a bus, and that's not fair. Like that's not fair to me. Like like the Chicago Bears stop making me do this. Man. You're doing this to me. That's not fair to me. Fire him so I stop thinking these horrible things. Oh man, that's, that uh... is. That is insane. Yeah. We, that's just yeah. how we do it. We platoon those guys, and he knows his job is on the line. And he's going to platoon Montez Sweat for who? It's not like we're the Niners and you have a butt. You, oh, we got to platoon yeah, so we can Chase Young a snap. Yeah, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Oh. All right, sorry. <laughs> that Go is, ahead. Uh, we got to finish up here. That that is unfortunate. Um. All right. Well, <laughs> let's let's try and get back on the train here with the uh, Buffalo Bills and okay. their AFC East uh, All right. contest. And it is officially Tim Boyle season yeah. for the New York Jets. Uh, they finally benched Zach Wilson and uh, and put in the backup Tim Boyle there into the starting lineup. But it didn't work very well for the team because the Bills won 32 to six. It was a very predictable outcome as the Bills obviously needed themselves a bounce back performance. Uh, they got it here against a, you know, and just an ailing team overall um, that that just can't get much going offensively in New York. Uh, so the Bills put a hurt on them, thirty-two to six. They, you know, put themselves uh, at least back in the win column, trying to garner some momentum here. They're going to need to get like a three-game winning streak here to put themselves in a good position for the playoffs. Uh, but at least they kind of, you know, stop the bleeding for the time yeah. being. And, uh, and got a win that they desperately needed to get. And the Jets, you know, look, if they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers to come back, it'd be the dumbest thing ever. Like, even if even if he, the guy could somehow play in December, there's absolutely no reason at this point. Tim Boyle is just going to play, the, play, you know, football for this team. Uh, you know, maybe just let it be maybe a little less embarrassing. Uh, but that's really – it's just – it's done. Punt to 2024 and move forward. Yeah, I don't have much to say in this. This was the most predictable game ever. Like, the Bills got embarrassed. They made the firing. You knew they were going to come out and and put a hurting on. And if they didn't, then the Bills would be really done. And so the Bills made the the analysis of this game easy. They did exactly what they should have done, needed to do. They took care of business. Uh, It was great to see. So now they're still alive. And now we get to – now those important games for the Bills coming on up still matter. And for the Jets, absolutely – Changing the boil is the right thing to do because, again, I, I don't think Salah should be fired. I really don't. I think Salah's done a really solid job, all things considered. And I think this is an important thing to just quell the frustrations of the fans. This is the organization saying, we hear you, we're sorry, and we're done with him. Like, we are officially done. Done, done, done. And and the Zach Wilson experience and his probably his NFL career is officially over. And it needs to be. I mean, he has been historically, historically bad. I just wish teams like the Bears would also listen to their fans and stop putting pain on them. The Jets are the Jets will be bad to watch with Tim Boyle, but at least the fans won't want to kill themselves. Like I want to kill myself when I hear my coach talk. Yeah, that's uh, you know, press conferences uh have were, this was not a good week for press conferences, <laughs> especially for defensive head coaches. Mike Tomlin saying it's and not a problem that Jalen Warren that's got just how uh, we do it. 
got nine carries. You know, Tomlin had a very similar response. You know, well, you know, we don't. Uh, That's we just don't how look, we do uh, it. Look, look at it. You well, could be we, in hindsight. Yeah, it should be <laughs> fired. Well, yeah. It's like, <laughs> good lord, please, please. Um, yeah, no, n- not much more to say on that. The Bills <sighs> did what they they should do. They're six and five, and uh, getting themselves back on the right track. The Seahawks. Gave up a, a very winnable game there uh, against the Rams, and that could be that could be one of those games where the Seahawks look back if they don't somehow make the playoffs or if they're the seventh seed and have to go on the road to a tough matchup. That's a game uh, that could come back to bite them as they uh, lose to their rival, the Rams, seventeen to sixteen, largely due to the fact that Jason Myers could not boot through the game-winning field goal and missed it. Um, at the end of the game, Geno Smith got hurt in this one. We'll see That's why they lost. Yeah, that is the biggest uh, reason for sure. Drew Locke had to come in, and and there wasn't much going for that offense moving forward. Kenneth Walker got hurt. Oh yeah, uh, he might be out because they play Thursday, so they may yeah. they may not have Geno or Kenneth Walker, their top two, uh, two of their top four offensive pieces. And uh, so if they have to roll out Drew Locke and company out there this upcoming Thursday, uh, this loss could mean that much more because they they're six and four. They could be six and five before you know it and really have the pressure on uh, as they kind of stare down the the back uh, quarter of this NFL season. So, you know, I, I didn't really look at this from a Rams perspective because they're four and six. We don't really expect much of them moving forward here, um, but for them, for the Seahawks to lose this game and now they have the 49ers. Yeah, you know, coming up uh, in in a primetime matchup in just a few days uh, with the Cowboys after that, and then the 49ers again. Mark, yeah, this, no, could, the, this could be a disaster for so the Seahawks. G- Gino coming back gave them a chance, like put them in a position to get that field goal. They left when Gino went out with the elbow. They all they needed was one or two drives to extend and kick a field goal. And Drew Locke was terrible. I mean, he was not prepared to come in and play football at all. And then obviously with Walker, with the oblique injury, it's probably going to miss some time. Definitely going to be hard for Thursday coming back. The goal should be get Geno healthy enough to try to play at home against yeah. the Niners. Yeah, to they just need that. Because it's not that they – or, honestly, the other thing they should because do is – it's a divisional game. If it was they the should, Cowboys – Honestly, what they should yeah. do is punt on the game. They should punt on it because you should focus on Dallas. Like – Get Walker and Geno 100% healthy to try to beat Dallas because then you do play San Francisco again. Like you play him again that following week, and then can you be healthy enough to compete with him there? We knew the Niner at at this point for the Seahawks, it was going to be a wild card spot. If they want to hold on to a wild card spot, they can't let this snowball into four straight losses because that's what it could end up being. If you rush Geno back, he's not ready. He gets injured again. It could, it could be a real disaster for them. So this could be a really interesting storyline to watch. And credit to the Rams. They saw a crack of an opening. They had no reason to win this game because they were just inept all day. And Stafford was struggling. But then he let them enough on a drive to get that score to put the pressure on Geno having to come back in the game, even though he's injured, be like, all right, I guess I'll try to be Superman here. And he got him in position for a 55-yard field goal, and it lost. I needed that win from Seattle to complete a parlay to win a hundred bucks. And it didn't happen. I was very, very upset. Um, and so uh, credit to the Rams for doing that to me again, just a lot of heartbreak for me over the last 24 hours. It's a miracle. I'm here, but don't ask the question. I'll be here. I'll record. You can stop asking the question. 
And so uh, the, for the, 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 that loss for the Seahawks, plus the loss for the Vikings, which we'll talk about here next, and the Rams winning, like there's now some interesting, everyone's in the hunt, it feels like, in the NFC that's not the Giants and the Bears. You know what I mean? So, uh, and the yeah. Cardinals. So like that and the Panthers. All right, so those four teams. But everyone else feels like they're in the hunt for that seventh seed. A hundred. Yep. That, that's, uh, that's and exactly right. And even the sixth seed now, like the sixth seed feels open. The sixth seed. Yeah. There there's quite a bit of wiggle room, uh, towards the bottom of those standings. No doubt. I feel like I've said a hundred percent, like eight times today. I need to, uh, need to come up with a, a dictionary. Have it, have it here ready up yeah. on Google or something for me. Um, by the way, uh, not necessarily the biggest breaking news, but, Adam Schefter is reporting. Yeah. John Harbaugh did say at his press conference today that uh, Mark Andrews, there is an outside chance that he could return this season from his ankle injury. So what, what Harbaugh initially called a season ender um, might not officially be a season ender. So that would be a big boost uh, for the Ravens come playoff time. And then also Devon Achan has a chance to play this upcoming Friday per Mike McDaniel. He said he hasn't ruled him in, but won't rule him out of the game either. Uh, so at least for the Dolphins' sake, uh, they should have a healthy Tyree kill and potentially a healthy Devon Achan this upcoming week. If not, looks like he'll play the week after. So that's a good sign there. And for the Ravens, at least they didn't lose Andrews yeah. um, for the entire season. And maybe that even means that even if he doesn't return the regular season, there might be a good chance like let's say they get a buy or something like that, that he could play for their first playoff game. So that'd be, that'd be huge. Keep that, that hope alive. Keep that hope alive. Yeah, for sure. The Broncos get a one point win at home over the Vikings huge. for their final game here of the week 11 slate that we will cover Minnesota with Josh Dobbs put up a fight here in this one, but Russell Wilson again, inspiring some confidence here uh, that this team is starting to turn things around. They are now five and five on the season. And uh, Cortland Sutton for the second week in a row looks like he's like the the you know hottest wide receiver in football right now with what he's been able to do. But that is four straight wins for the Denver Broncos, and three are against really quality teams. I mean, the last three are, have been the Chiefs, uh, the Bills, and the Vikings. Three teams that are you know in playoff contention. Three that have very good offenses. Uh, so you know. Say what you will, too, about the Denver defense that got absolutely lit up to, for 70 points against Miami earlier this year. They allowed uh, nine to Kansas City, 22 to the Bills, and 20 to the Vikings. That's pretty good. I got to say, like, Broncos are probably that team uh, that overtook the Buccaneers as the, like, surprise you yeah. know, team that that might have a fighting chance here at, at a playoff spot. Well, they started one and four, and they've been on a they've been on a really nice tear. I'll say this about the Broncos in that victory. What I what I respect about them so much is that they were down for portions of that game, and now and that game winning drive late, you know, in the game and that touchdown to Sutton. Like they're a team that somehow just hasn't shown any quit over those last four weeks. I mean. Same with that Bills game. It felt like the Bills lost that game, but the Broncos kept putting themselves in a position to to catch the loss. You know what I mean? And this sure. this game, it felt like they caught the win. Does that make sense? Like they didn't necessarily win this game, 
But they they did enough to be in a position to where when it came down to 50-50, they made the right plays. Um, are the Broncos – is the Broncos ceiling high? No. But it feels like they're moving their floor up. And that's huge as a Broncos fan because you don't have a lot going for you. You don't have draft picks, and you have a ton of cap of your te- cap already taken up by the quarterback and a couple other uh, key players. And you want to keep your, obviously your, your star corner when the Broncos didn't Im- it blow it up at the trade deadline. I think a lot of us were kind of like, dumb move, but it's starting to pay off. Like you look ahead. I mean, can they sneak into the playoffs? They have Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Houston, and Cleveland ahead of them in the wild card spots. Um, you know, I- I'm not hundred percent sure, but, this the vibes are a turning around for for the uh for the Broncos and that's big. And if you're the Vikings, you look at this and you say, okay, we took one on the chin on the road in a loss. If we can bounce back and not let this spiral, the Vikings are still in a really nice spot to again surprise themselves with a playoff run and and keep the vibes high, keep the momentum high in your organization. Sometimes you it's better you know, I I was the first one to say go into the tank for teams. You know, for the Browns, for the for the Bengals, go get a good draft pick. Like when you when your season feels over, but sometimes for organizations like a Vikings or a Broncos, you could also look at it and say, you know, the best thing to do for your organizations is to just keep the vibes positive. It can attract free agents. It can you can find ways you can learn how to win. The Bears are a team that don't know how to win a game, like. The Broncos are starting to feel like, hey, we're going to be a team by the end of the season that might know how to win some games, and that builds momentum going into next year. The Vikings similarly feel like a team that no one believed in, even though they won a bunch of games last year. Now I still don't believe in them, even though they're going to win less games, but they might still put themselves in a playoff position where your young guys are getting a lot of experience, your head coach is getting a lot of experience, and you don't have to worry about turmoil in your organization. Yeah, the Broncos need mm-hmm. to add some a lot of pieces still, and 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 keep working with Russ. And yeah, the Vikings need to find their quarterback of the future, but both organizations are trending up. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um finally, the Chiefs host the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football tonight. Love it. So I'm curious your thoughts on this. The Chiefs are favored two and a half points. Probably the you know, th- this was set a, set up for a great week of primetime football because we had that awesome Thursday night matchup that ultimately kind of uh, fell apart with the injuries to Burrow and Andrews, but um, hopefully we can right the wrongs there with the Knock on wood. Uh, second best, you know, uh, matchup uh, getting in here. The the re- the rematch of uh, Super Bowl uh, this past year, Super Bowl between the Kelseys, and so really excited to see all of the storylines for this game kind of come together. And two of the hottest teams in the league right now, uh, the two teams that seem to be front runners for the Super Bowl this year. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really good matchup all around. Like I said, it's at Kansas City. They are favored by two and a half points. This kind of seems like a spread to kind of stay away from because, one, it's two and a half. Two, it's the two best teams in the league. Um, but I am curious what your thoughts are on this matchup. I am going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game, however. Yeah, what you did was a big J journalism move just there. You said um, the rematch of last year's Super Bowl you know, last year's Super Bowl, because who knows what last year's Super, the number Dude, was. Dude, I, I can't remember. remember the, I, can't I can't remember the numbers, the numbers to save my life. I, you yeah. did You did the right thing. You just said it's a matchup of Super Bowl 
Last year's last Super Bowl. Year's Super That's Bowl. all that matters. Uh, I'm with you. I have no idea. Was it 55, 7? It was like 53, 56? maybe. I, I, I know. It was 53 because 50 was Peyton. 50 was Peyton versus and the Broncos versus the Panthers. That's how I know in my head. It's got to be at least like 57. Oh, it's 58. It's 58. Yeah. This year's 58 or last year's 58? Uh, this this year is Super Bowl 58. Okay, so Metro, see exactly. So, so it was um, fifty-seven. Was last year Super Bowl fifty-seven I like rematch. The, I like the Eagles in this game. I really do. I, and right. I and I, and here's why. I know for a fact the Eagles secondary is not great, but I also know for a fact that the Eagles offensive line can handle the Chiefs' uh, pass rush. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think this is going to be both teams flying. I think multiple touchdown passes for Hertz, multiple touchdown passes for Mahomes. But what I think really separates this is the Eagles have elite weapons on the outside that when it comes to it can make a really big play in a big moment. And the Chiefs don't. They have Kelsey and they have a bunch of guys. And I think come late in the playoffs, in, in a big moment, I'm going to trust Mahomes to make the right play and the right move in a Super Bowl. Even if this is a Super Bowl rematch, we have this again, I probably take the Chiefs. And, and I do think there's something to build off of, like, um, whichever team loses this game, I think it'll be uh, – you can spin it positively because if they rematch at the Super Bowl, you can say, hey, we lost this team already once. You can build that underdog mentality. There's a lot of good things to go with that. But to me, it, just, it simply comes down to I like the Eagles playmakers to make big plays in this game. I trust them to make big plays. And so I'm going to roll with the Eagles 33-30. to 30. I'm going to take the over and touchdown passes – for Hertz, over and touchdown passes from Holmes. Both of them are set at one point one and a half. I'm gonna take the over in both. I'm gonna take the over in passing yards for both. I think Mahomes is like 285 and Hertz is like 237 or something like that. I think the over for both, it's gonna be an aerial assault in cold, slightly wet Kansas City tonight. All right. Okay. I, I have a little bit different take on how this game will play out. Obviously, I have the Chiefs winning only because they're an arrowhead. I basically would pick whichever team was the home team in this matchup at this point of the season. Uh, but I also think it's going to be a little bit low scoring. I think 27-23. Um, I just think these teams match up pretty well overall. And um, I do think that, you know, even if the Eagles approach, which I think would be their best approach, would be to kind of control the line of scrimmage, it's gonna along, it's gonna you know spread things out a little bit more uh, in terms of the time frame, and and it's not gonna be these big hitting big play games. I think it's gonna be a little bit more methodical, and thus uh, it's gonna be a slower paced game than maybe All we'd right. like. It's still gonna be a good one though, so gonna be a quality game. Um, but I think there's a couple turnovers on each side that kind of mitigates that score a little bit. So yeah, that is my prediction. And we'll see how this one turns out. But uh, that'll do it for our episode here on the Week 11 Recap. Uh, for Mark, I am Dan. We appreciate all the support that you guys uh, have given up to, given us through you know, listening, watching, liking, subscribing, all of that stuff. So appreciate it. Uh, we are on the 4 Frequency Sake Podcast Network, so go check out the other shows at 4FantasySakeQC.com. And as always, you can find our content here every Monday, and we'll sprinkle in some Friday shows every now and then uh, as well. But until next week, we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.